Hey everybody, I'm Robert Yerby, and I'm an insurance professional, and admittedly, kind of an insurance nerd. My friends and family tell me that nobody is going to want to listen to a podcast about insurance, so instead, on this show, I'm hoping to share a story or have a conversation with a guest about some relatable experience, and then show you how insurance impacts that story or topic. My hope is you'll enjoy a few laughs with me and maybe learn at least one interesting thing about insurance along the way. Here we go. Hey everybody, this is Robert. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It is just going to be me today and I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about uh, until uh, this morning. I saw a video about uh, highway guardrails, and it reminded me of a few different things. Well, and, and there was another thing that's been going on this weekend. I've been playing a lot of guitar. Uh, I've probably mentioned that on the podcast before. I've, I've played guitar for a lot of years, uh, actually since 4th of July, 1992. I know exactly the day that I bought my first guitar. And uh, I had a chance to play a lot of guitar this weekend. I, th I think that I go through sort of like uh, stops and spurts uh, playing guitar. If I've been playing for 30-something years, I could probably look at maybe six to eight different 12-month periods in there where I got a lot better. And then long stretches, years in between those, where I didn't get any better, really, probably. And uh, I don't know if, I, I would probably, if I'm being honest, say I'm, I'm not really in one of those stretches now where I'm getting significantly better. Uh, I've lately not had a ton of time to play, but this weekend I, I have played quite a bit. Uh, my, my fingers feel a little sore. Uh, I've been working on some Randy Rhodes stuff. I don't know if you'll know like old Ozzy, but uh, Randy has some, some tendencies and I've been practicing some of those things that he does, you know, kind of on a, on a regular basis. Uh, if you're a guitar guy, you'll maybe you already know what I'm talking about, especially if you know Randy Rose, but he, he does a lot of pentatonic stuff. And anyway, so I've been playing a lot of guitar. I saw this guardrail thing. And, and what do those two things have to do with each other, Robert? Well, I'm going to take you back to uh, January 31st, 1993. I was working, I was in high school, I was working at a movie theater, and without looking it up, I can tell you confidently, January 31st, 1993, that was Super Bowl Sunday, that particular year, and my friend Sean and I got tickets to see Metallica playing at the Rockford Metro Center. It's like a little hockey rink out in Rockford. We we didn't live in Rockford, by the way. We lived in Naperville. And from Naperville to Rockford, it's a solid hour and a half drive, I'm going to say. I was working at the movie theater that day. And typically, my shift on a Sunday would end about 4.30 in the afternoon. And so, assuming that that's true... I would have had to pick up Sean, you know, change my clothes, hopefully take a shower, then change my clothes, and 
drive out there and the way that this show was set up, they played the Super Bowl on the big screen inside the hockey rink, the Metro Center. And then Metallica played their concert after the Super Bowl. So what time does the Super Bowl like end? You know, 8.30 something central time? You know, some, something like that, right? I'd worked all day. I went and drove all the way to Rockford. We watch a Super Bowl. And then Metallica starts. Another thing that is super cool, which, you know, we didn't have this when I was a kid, but there's a website that shows the set list for every Metallica show, like, ever. I don't know who's compiled all this information or if, if we can trust the accuracy of it. This this is crazy to me. But I was able to look up the set list from that night. So they start with Enter Sandman, Creeping Death, Harvester of Sorrow, and it goes on and on and on. They play what they called the Justice Medley, okay? There's a lot of like really long songs on that album. They kind of condensed them and played uh, Eye of the Beholder, Blacken, Sanity, and Justice, little pieces of all of them, and and put them together in this medley. That was super cool. That was super cool, by the way, if if anybody from Metallica is listening. I, I dug that. And if you count that as one song, they played 14 songs. Then they played an encore, five songs in the encore. Nothing Else Matters, Wherever I May Roam, Am I Evil, Last Caress, and One. You know what else? Uh, you guys can't see what I'm doing, and that's too bad. But they have stats for each one of the songs. You can click on the song, and you can see the stats for each of them. All right. Last Caress. I clicked on that. They've played this 808 times live, supposedly. Uh, the first time they played it was February 13th, 1987. Most recent performance of this song, September 2nd, 2018. In Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. Yes. Written by Glenn Danzig. They, they throw the lyrics on there. Nice. Sweet, lovely Dale, just waiting for your breath. Come, sweet death, one last call. Yeah! All right. Well, awesome. All right. So we, me and Sean, we, again, we work. We drive. We watch the Super Bowl. We watch this show which they played 20 songs. There was a second encore. They played Battery in the second encore. Then it's time to drive home. I'm, how old am I at this point? Not quite 17. I was driving my stepmother's 1986 Mercury Cougar. It wasn't a car that I drove on a regular basis. I probably don't want to get into the whole backstory, uh, how this came to be that I was driving her car. I, um, my parents are divorced, and I had just moved from my mother's place in with my dad, and I didn't have my own car, so I was driving my stepmother's Mercury Cougar and, and looking for a car of my own. Well... I don't know if you can picture a Mercury Cougar uh, from 86, but uh, it's, it has these big, it was a two-door coupe, big, heavy doors, 
Okay, long, big, heavy doors. And I mean, for 1986, I mean, it looked pretty sleek. Uh, this one was silver. It's a pretty sharp little car. My recollection is I liked driving it. And um, anyway, I can't say for sure what time we piled into the car to drive back to Naperville, but it was late. And Sean and I were both tired. And uh, to cut to the to the key part of the story, uh, I fell asleep. I was maybe 10 miles from home and fell asleep. Of course, there's, there's almost nobody on the highway at this time of night or, or morning. Yeah, I mean, figure it's, you know, between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. I fell asleep. Uh, the car, I believe, first hit the guardrail on the right side of the highway. And we spun to the left across all the lanes and we came to a stop facing the opposite direction up against the guardrail on the left side of the highway. There was a bridge, right? High, uh, an overpass. There was a bridge right near there. And um, that's, that's why there's, there's guardrails right at that section. But we were somewhere just, yeah, right near that, uh, that bridge. We came to a stop. Uh, I seem to recall I, I woke up while we were kind of spinning across the, the highway. You know, my, my eyes open was kind of, well, I'm not sure what the right word was. I mean, shocked, alarmed, um, confused, um, all, all of those things. Uh, I don't know if I you know, tried to hit the brakes or turn the wheel or anything like that. I don't know if I had any, any time, but we, we came to a stop at the, the other side of the road, again, facing the wrong direction. Uh, again, I, I think I recall Sean waking up after we were stopped and asking why we were facing the wrong way. <laughs> you know, of course I tell him, oh man, I fell asleep. Well, uh, this is an age before cell phones, or I mean, before they were prevalent. Uh, I definitely didn't have a phone in the car. Didn't seem like there were cars going by. I think we had to wait a good a good while before somebody drove past. And I mean, I think I I just flagged somebody down. This seems like so long ago. I asked somebody to call us, uh, you know, a tow truck or something. A police officer then came by and the officer got a tow truck for the car. And I, I realize now as I'm telling this, I am so fuzzy on this, on these details. I want to say that the police officer drove Sean and I home. I, I don't know where they took the car, I don't, I would not have been able to tell them, you know, where to take the car. I would have had no idea. So I, I'm not sure if the police officer was then in touch with my, my, my dad. I really don't know. And now it occurs to me, I should ask him. 
I should ask him what his recollection is of this day. I'll finish telling you guys what I think of it, but maybe on on a future episode, I'll just kind of give you an update what he what he thinks about this incident. So it, it's crazy late. By the way, me and Sean are physically unharmed. Okay, we must have had seatbelts on. And other than, you know, maybe just being, I don't know, somewhat shocked by what had happened. I mean, we weren't physically hurt. So I get this ride home. And to my knowledge, nobody has told my dad what's happened until I get there. And he was awake. I must have given him the short version of what happened. But here again, I, I, I need to ask him. I need to ask him. I would have been so tired and so frazzled. I, I don't really remember. Other than he told me to get some sleep because school was starting in like three and a half hours or something. I recall that. I recall thinking, oh man, this guy wants me to go to school. I was just in a car accident. He wants me to go to school in a few hours. I remember thinking that that was not cool. <laughs> and he did. He had me go to school. What what I'm curious about, and I, I, I really do want to ask him, I imagine now that he was waiting up, just like, you know, just waiting to make sure I got home okay, right? And he probably had an idea that, okay, well, you know, the concert's going to go until midnight and the kid should be home by, you know, 1.30 or whatever, right? He's, he's probably done that math in his head. And when it gets to be, you know, 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I, and I still haven't shown up, like, I imagine that is really tough for a dad. I, I, I didn't think about it that way then. I, I know I didn't. But being a dad now, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that I would be up Maybe I'd doze off here or there, but like something tells me my dad brain would not allow me to just shut down and relax and fully sleep until my son, who was, you know, out in the middle of the night at a rock concert, was home. But I, but I'd love to ask him. So I imagine him being like super stressed, and okay relieved that you know when I finally get home I'm okay and maybe then kind of ticked off that I fell asleep you know wrecked the car oh the car I haven't mentioned that the car was damaged on basically every side of the car all four sides had physical damage so I don't I don't know how I achieved that but this this car must have been like pinballing around from guardrail to guardrail. And the assessment was that this this was going to be a total loss. By the way, we, we should do an episode with uh, my buddy Justin, who's an, an auto adjuster, and talk about total losses on vehicles at some point. We, d- we definitely need to do that. Uh, I won't get into an explanation of that here, but a lot of you kind of have a sense of what that means, that the insurance company was going to um, basically pay the actual cash value of that vehicle. It wouldn't be enough to um, repair the car and, you know, they'd take the salvage. Anyway, my parents were not happy about this news. Um, 
they did not want to file an insurance claim. So they told me I was going to pay to get the car fixed. And that took me, as I was earning, you know, five and a quarter or $5.50, something like that at the movie theater, that took me a very long time. Months and months uh, to, to past, past the time that I graduated from high school. I still owed them money. Anyway, since then, uh, I've always been uh, very aware of the possibility of falling asleep at the wheel. I've always been kind of nervous driving when I'm tired. Uh, I'm not I'm not shy about pulling over to the side of the road if there's a safe place to do that and just closing my eyes. I find that if I close my eyes at the side of the road for just 15 minutes, that kind of relieves that drowsy feeling. And I'm not suggesting this will work for, I mean, anybody else necessarily. I, I just think that it works for me. When I was just on a routine basis, you know, working up in Montana for my insurance business, and it was, you know, one week a month, I was just all over that state, mile after mile after mile, a lot of highway miles. I would, on a regular basis, be pulling off at the side of the road and taking these 15-minute naps. I was doing a lot of work and, you know, driving a lot of miles, so it was sort of understandable that I'd, I'd be getting tired from time to time, but it, I felt like, man, every single day I was having to pull over, you know, for 15 minutes here and there. Um, that was around the time I read some book about, oh, I think it was called Wheat Belly. I haven't fact-checked that here before uh, I started the podcast, but I think the book was Wheat Belly. I read it on a plane between Chicago and Vegas one time. I read the whole book on the flight and then decided I was going to quit eating bread. And when I did, I found that I wasn't getting drowsy on those sales trips anymore. That uh, nap that I needed at you know 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I no longer needed that nap. Because I wasn't eating sandwiches for lunch, you know, every day at noon and going into like that bread coma at three o'clock. When I quit eating bread, I didn't need the naps nearly as much. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm back on bread. I still don't eat near as much as, as I used to, but I, I feel like if I have a sandwich for lunch... I'm going to be tired in the afternoon. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I like bread. I like sandwiches. So sometimes I, I eat a sandwich, and I, and I love it. But I just kind of know that maybe, you know, I, sh I should eat them when I... It's not going to be a problem to be tired. Frankly, I love naps, too. I love sandwiches, and I love naps. So it's like, why would I, why would I cut this out of my life? This is great. It's just if I, I need to be productive, I need to be driving. Maybe just don't eat a foot long, you know, from Jimmy John's right before. So I, and I used to teach this uh, insurance to continuing ed class on motor vehicle risks. And we devoted a segment to driving drowsy. And you know how many lives are lost when people fall asleep at the wheel. I, I don't have those stats handy. But it is uh, right up there with one of the, the key risks of motor vehicle deaths, you know, right up there with driving intoxicated. Uh, you would be shocked at how many people lose their lives or kill somebody else in the car when they 
fall asleep at the wheel. And there's no roadside test that cops are administering for uh, sleepiness. Uh, you won't necessarily get a ticket for it, but man, it's it's dangerous. It's super dangerous. So let me let me now go all the way back to uh, the guardrail video. So I'm just watching the news as I'm having breakfast this morning and pull up this video with this guy, Steve, the guardrail guy. And I would encourage you to, you know, go to, go to YouTube or Google or whatever, and uh, just search Steve, the guardrail guy. And he's got a series of videos. His his wife, not his wife, uh, his daughter passed away in an accident where she hit a guardrail. And so, you know, he's devoting a lot of time and energy to improving guardrail safety. Uh, I've got one of his videos queued up here. Let's see if the sound comes through. I, this is a story about how I became the guardrail guy. I'm a, I'm a father from rural East Tennessee with 10 kids. I had 30 chickens. I actually had three goats. I am not an engineer. Okay, well, that's not the best... That's maybe not the best advertisement for why you should listen to this guy's uh, uh, YouTube videos and stuff. He's got goats. I've, I've watched a few of these already today, and sometimes it gets... He says he's not an engineer, but he's educated himself quite a bit on guardrail safety, how sometimes they've been installed improperly, and how that can be a problem. I'm not an engineer either, and I know I know so little about guardrails. I've done 25 minutes of YouTube research, and that is it. Other than having hit one, or two, or three of them, when I was 16, I know almost nothing about guardrails. I know they probably saved my life, and my my best friend's life, when we were 16. And, I mean, that's that's really it. I'm grateful that they were there. Oh, also, and, and this, this is so horrible... So I'm watching this guy's videos, the guardrail guy, and he's like, the state of Tennessee, after his daughter was in this wreck, she hit the guardrail, and it basically like pierced her driver's side door and killed her instantly. After she dies, the state of Tennessee sent him a bill for 3000 something dollars for the guardrail, the damage to the guardrail. And... They have since apologized. <laughs> Ugh, that's that's so bad. That is so bad. It sort of got me to thinking, though, like, hey, I wonder if my dad ever got, like, a bill for the guardrail or guardrails that, you know, I would have damaged. I mean, we, we beat the heck out of those guardrails. I should say I beat the heck out of those guardrails. I'm sure that they were dented all to hell. If, if there's a dent in the guardrail, like, how do they necessarily know? I mean, some people must like hit them and then drive off, right? So there's nobody to to invoice. The cops generally, or the cops definitely knew that I hit the guardrail. But I, I feel like I feel like my dad and stepmom would have told me if they got a bill for guardrails, like they they would have they would have passed that over to me. I think. Anyway, you don't really think about guardrail safety. Even me, a guy who has hit guardrails, I. I didn't really think too much about it. Uh, but if you look at this guy, uh, Steve's videos, uh, it's worth some consideration. All right, It's a key safety device out there on the highways. 
he's concerned that too many are not installed properly. If that's the case, that is a big concern because there are so many people that are driving drowsy. There are people that are distracted. Guardrails are, are out there to, to save lives and to spare us some injuries. I think on the whole, I don't, I don't know how you would quantify this, but on the whole, I'm sure guardrails are saving a lot of lives and sparing a lot of injuries. That's a good thing for, for all of us. It's, it's, it's also a good thing for insurance. Yeah, you might dent up your car when you hit the guardrail, but uh, claim severity is going to be a lot worse on the bodily injury side you know, than the, the, the collision side. So yeah, just trying to draw uh, a little bit more attention to, uh, yeah, guardrails, guardrail safety. Uh, this guy, Steve, the guardrail guy, check his stuff out and about driving drowsy. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, pull off to the side of the road. If you think that'll help you or just have somebody else drive. Also, can I, can I also point out Sean falling asleep, uh, in the car, I suppose that's a that's a pretty normal thing to do. I can't fall asleep in the car late at night when somebody else is driving because I'm nervous that they're gonna fall asleep. <laughs> even even if they, they don't seem drowsy, even if I'm more tired than they are, something in my brain, going back to January thirty first, nineteen ninety three, will not allow me to fall asleep. I, I sort of. You know, I just, my brain needs to be on guard a little bit. So, yeah, whether you're you're riding, you're driving late at night, be aware of the possibility of falling asleep. Think about guardrails. Think about perusing the internet for Metallica set lists. Uh, this is a rabbit hole. I could lose a lot of time browsing through this, you know. How many times have they played Disposable Heroes? Since 1986. The data is right here at my fingertips. But I probably ought to get back to work. All right. Hey, that's the podcast. As always, if you liked the podcast, please leave us a a review. Leave us a rating. If you can add even just a a couple of handwritten comments, that really helps us out in, in Apple Podcasts. And if you happen to be an insurance producer or adjuster and you need insurance continuing education... Check out our live webinars at bmfce.com. Tell your friends uh, and be watching for another episode in just a couple of weeks. Thanks.